I'm Dwayne Brummett. He's Ali Alborigo, and this is the School Owner Talk Podcast. Hello again, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali Alberigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Ali, good morning. Good morning, Dwayne. How are you? How are you? Good. How are you, sir? I can't complain. I, can't complain. I hear a little bit of an echo coming back. Is that your microphone? Oh, no, now it's gone. Okay, um, yeah, no, I was going to say I didn't hear it, but... Yeah, it was it was slapping back on my side, but um, but yeah, things are good. Like, I, I, can't, I can't complain, and you know, it's funny, I, I was talking to... And, and, and you probably have a lot of insight on this that because it's a spiritual thing too with religion and God. And, um, but uh, I was talking to a friend who, who is, who's my age, 58, who's always, you know, like upset that this one died and that one died. And do you remember there were cards that were made by Alan Goldberg? They were like a martial art playing card. Um, and a lot, anyway, there's like a deck of cards every year. And uh, so I have them and, and I save them, but I use them to the kids throw them like shuriken. So before I was going through the cards, I was going like, going, I right, take that guy out. He passed away. Take that guy out. He passed away. There's like 25 people on those decks of cards over the last eight years, seven, eight or 10 years that had passed away. So today we were talking about how lucky we are to be alive. And, and then I, I went even further and I'm sure you can attest to this is like, we have a job that we're so lucky to have and, you know, be able to do what we do and make our own schedule. And, you know, you basically, if you got to go somewhere, you pick up and go, you don't really have anyone say, no, you don't have enough vacation days. Right. You know, like things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, isn't that nice? I mean, but we worked to get there. It's not like we all of a sudden got there. I mean, think about yeah. how many hours and, and days and how many things that you missed because, you know, you worked. I, I don't know about you. I I worked. So our, our wedding, my wife and I's wedding was on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked that morning. I, I don't even remember when we said I do. Like it could have been at 430 at night or four o'clock in the afternoon, whatever it was. I right. know I worked until one or two that day. Yeah. Yeah, well, that there you go. You know, you you answered with the exact same way my friend worked, and it's almost like a defense mechanism to be like, "Well, we did work hard. We de- we deserve what we have," and that's absolutely true. But isn't it interesting, like how many people work in their jobs, and and it's okay to not love your job, but when you hate your job every day, like oh. to the point where you just are in misery from eight or nine to five. Just imagine like the torture that must be. And I feel, look, I'm sure you do too, but I feel sometimes like, man, life is tough and I don't want to go in the dojo and I don't want to teach and I don't want to have to deal with this or that. It's part of life, but where you and I have built a position in life where we can um, make a choice and say, hey, I'm taking off. Well, check this out. So next week we've got, a. Uh, I only do three summer camps a, a, a summer. So one week every, every you know. Yeah one week per month in the summer. So next week we have our, our camp and the guy that's running it, he's working Monday through Thursday. He can't be there Friday. Mm-hmm. And it was already pre-planned. And so I totally forgot about it. Mr. Bean, I talked to him with him yesterday. Cause of course, you know, we needed to meet face to face. I've been gone for a week, so right. <laughs> got to get caught up. And uh, he said, Hey, POTUS is, is gone next Friday. Um, and I'm like, he is. 
Yeah. And I totally forgot. Anyways, long story short, Bean, Bean says to me, I I'll run the camp. Now he's, he's, uh, he's salary. So yeah. that's going to add hours to his day and he's not getting paid anymore. Right, right, right. And, uh, I told him, you know what? I don't, I don't want you to have to do that. I'll, I'll run the camp. So I'm going to run the camp on Friday. Nice. nice. And, and, and I'm not bringing that up to be like nice, like to get praise, but thank you. But it's like, I don't want him to have to do that. I'm, I'm very thankful that he said, yeah. I'll run it. Yeah. I, I had that same situation with my main guy. Uh, he ran, he wasn't supposed to run camp and, and he stayed because it was a brand new kid, a little kid. And the parents weren't going to leave her cause she didn't know anybody. It was the first time she's not a student. So he ended up staying the entire day just to make sure that kid was happy. So at afternoon, he said, is it okay if I take tonight off? And I'm like, I, I wasn't planning on going in. And I'm like, uh, really? You know, you sure? We're going to Florida. We're doing this. We're doing that. He's like, well, I just been here all day. I'm like, you know what? Yes. Like I, I, what can you say? Like the guy's working so hard, dedicating his time. He switched his schedules to spend the entire day just because of that kid. He's a company player, right? You know, like yeah. that guy. So I, I was like, yes. Like at first I'm resist, I was resisting. And, but then I go, look, I could go in. What's going to, and it was my light day anyway. It was like two classes because we had black belt club. So, and then I ended up having a blast, but yeah, we're, we are lucky to be able to do what we do. Yeah. I like when I'm in my meeting with Bean yesterday too, he said, now you can say no, it's not a big deal. And I'm thinking, okay, what is he going to ask? Yeah. And uh, he says, so just to put it in context, our, our, our first degree black belt class, because we have a first degree black belt class and then we have a, a second and third degree class on Tuesday, oh, Thursdays, wow. but our first degree black belt class is on Mondays. No, excuse me, Monday and Wednesdays. And he said, uh, what would you think about POTUS? Because uh, that's like my next guy coming up. What, right. would you, what would you think about him running that black belt class? Um, I take the, I get off early so that I can spend time with my girls before they go to bed. Right. Um, he said, but I don't need that to start until September until after this next testing cycle. Mm. Uh, and I said, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I know how much I missed by not being at home at night. Right. If I can right. give him two nights a week that he gets just an hour back, actually probably more like an hour and a half after you get done yeah. cleaning and everybody leaves and that type of stuff. Yeah. I'm like, do it. I said, but we do need to adjust your, you know, when you're coming in. Right. You know, so we're going to have you come in at one instead of two and those type yeah. of things. But, and he's like, yep, that's perfectly fine. I kind of figured that that's what would happen. And, and, you know, uh, it's, it's funny. We just started talking about a topic, but I'm thinking to myself, like, wait, we got to get on topic of what we're supposed to talk about. But we're actually on topic because the topic is about that book you recommended to me called Crucial Conversations. And I have to tell you, I've used it like three times already. I, the book's a little dry, a little bit slow. I'm listening to it on audio, but the content is really, really amazing. And, and I've had, a, I've had a, a few opportunities to actually use the stuff in the book. How about you? Did you finish the book? Did you like it? Yeah, I'm almost done with it. I haven't finished it yet, but I would agree with you. It is um, dry in some areas, but when they get to the meat, you're like, holy yeah. cow. I, I don't know about you, but I just, I go, man, I've been deficient in a lot of these areas. And yeah. then there's a few that I'm like, okay, yeah, I got that one down, but. Right. 
Right. I made a post the other day. I put it on just a business page. I think I put it on this, our, our uh, school owner talk page, or I might've put it on the other one, but I talked about, a, a, I, I took a copy of a conversation that I had with a parent and they were, uh, they were about to renew their kid. Obviously though, I usually do it two months in advance. They made me wait till the day before. And then they start haggling with me as far as price goes. And we don't want to do this. So, you know, in our school, uh, I used to have a program where you at, at purple belt and above, you had to join our black belt club. My mindset is the black belt club is accelerated training. You're, you're two levels away from being a black belt. So I want them to go through a little bit more training, be a little bit more serious and be more focused on that. So they, it was mandatory purple and above purple, brown and black and above to be in our, our black belt club. Um, but I got a lot of resistance because of the days I did it on a Monday night, last Monday of the month, I do seminars and they go, well, we can't make it. So I, I don't want to pay for something that I can't make. So I shifted the way I presented it and I said, okay, uh, purple belts and above pay a tuition increase. And that's because of the material and the curriculum and the intensity and all that other stuff. And uh, I said, but you also get the black belt club included in the price. So whether you make it or not, that's okay with me. You do get a uniform every year, a quilted heavyweight key patches and so on, 10% off on all your gear and all this stuff. So the mom anyway was giving me a hard time, but we can't make Black Belt Club. And I said, it doesn't matter. The tuition goes up and they're already in the Black Belt Club, believe it or not. And she wanted to downgrade to save some money. And I said, well, we can't do that. This is it. Well, and she like played hardball with me. You know, it's either going to be that you do a one day a week program or we're leaving. So I had to say, you know what? I am... I'm not able to do that for you. It's not fair to others. And I used a lot of the tactics in the Crucial Conversations book about how to present, you know, the benefits versus just, you know, lay down a hard line and say, tough luck or you're out. But it ended up that they they didn't sign up and they ended up giving up four and a half years of training because the mom wouldn't spend an extra 20 bucks a month or $24 a month. So, um, but the book was interesting because it, it, I think they talk a little bit about violence aggressive conversation and they talk about, you know, figuring out solutions. I forget what the terminology is, violence or solutions, but, but, uh, it, you know, that's sometimes where you start a conversation and the other person be immediately becomes defensive. Right. And we have to, dis we have to kind of get that and take that away or else the conversation is not going to go the way we want. So do you have any techniques that you use? Like not, not necessarily from the book, but like when you're dealing with an aggressive pay, uh, uh, person in your school, meaning like, you know, they're angry or they're mad. Like, what do you do? Yeah. Well, normally I will ask them, you know, if it, you know, what would be the perfect solution in this situation? Mm -hmm. If you, if you could choose one. Yeah. And allow them to say what the perfect situ you know, solution to the situation. And I'll give you a, 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 an actual one. So I had a parent text me yesterday um, because we have a leadership team. The way that we do our testings, we do testings every quarter. So this is the June, July, and August quarter. Well, they have a topic. They have information that they have to read. I've created some booklets, some leadership booklets they have to read, and then they have to answer the questions, turn mm -hmm. it in. And some of them even have essays that they have to write. Not a very big essay, but, you know, it could be a one page essay. Right. Right. And it all has to be in this quarter. It has to be done by July 31st. Well, mm -hmm. what was yesterday? August 1st. Yeah. Right. Uh, the mom or the, the dad, I guess, either went to the studio 
or called Bean. He probably called Mr. Bean and talked to him saying, hey, this is what happened. This is why our son did not turn in his information. It was not his fault. It was all of our, you know, it was our fault as parents, blah, 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 blah. Now the kid, I think he's 10. Yeah. So I understand that it's not his fault. Right. But it's still his responsibility to get it turned in on time. Yeah. So then mom decides to text me. Mm -hmm. Even though she, you know, her husband already got a hard no from Mr. Bean. Yeah. Mr. Bean's like, I look, we can't do this. This well, he's important and he, Mr. Bean is in control, but you're the big boss. I'll go above him and see if I could pull at your heartstrings, right? Yes. And so, uh, you know, with that conversation, she texted me and she told me everything that has happened. And, and yeah, it's, it's sad, you know, not sad. I mean, it's just, it's hectic. It's chaotic, chaotic. Yeah. I don't want to say sad. It's just hectic, chaotic. Nobody died. Yeah. You know, they just have a lot of things going on. And uh, so in that conversation, you know, it's, I, I already knew in a perfect world what she wanted. So I didn't have to ask that question, you know, yeah. in a perfect world, what, you know, but how can we solve this problem? You know, I said, I understand what you would like me to do, right. but you, you guys also, you've been, and she used this, we've been at the studio for almost 10 years because mm -hmm. their oldest, our oldest one is a second degree black belt. And he actually at one time failed to turn in some stuff and had to, he actually had to wait another six months for his, his right. second degree black belt test. They were right. livid. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in that conversation, of course, she brings up the fact that she's been there forever as if that's leverage. Right. And so I go, I understand and I'm sorry. So I sympathized with the fact that they had a lot going on. These things happen. Totally understand. Mm -hmm. I did did bring up the fact that, you know, you guys decided to be in the leadership team. You know, your son yeah. wanted to do that. I'm trying not to use names. You know, your son wanted to do that. And with that came with the responsibilities of turning, you know, your stuff in on time. Right. You got to know your material on time and you got to turn your information in on time. Yeah. And how fair would that be? If you to, let them go and not let others. If I let you go and, and, you know, just because you've been there for so long, right. you know, you've been there for so long and you know that we don't let these things slide. Right. Right. It's kind of how I, now she's pissed, you know, but she's been pissed before. Was she not pissed at you though? Honestly, she probably thinks she is, but she's really pissed at herself and that she couldn't get away with it. So like that, that's in the crucial conversations as well. In the book, they talk about that, like, you know, blame, and, and, you know, people accepting blame or fault and, and so on. Like that mom that I talked about that didn't want to upgrade to the program or wanted to downgrade, they did the same thing to me. And at one point I said, they, and they said, you know, we stuck with you through COVID. And when you, you condensed the two schools into one and we were loyal to you and we've been with you for years, doesn't that mean anything to you? I said, how about this? Let's shift it. I, I actually wrote this. I said, how about this? We'll shift that. Thank you, Shion, for staying open during COVID and giving our son a place to be when the entire world shut down and abandoned us. Thank you for doing all the nice things that you did, you know, and, and respect that, you know, let's be honest, let's be nice about it and, and respectful. Um, and let's not go tit for tat and saying, you know, blaming others. I said, look, it's only a matter of $24. 
you know, it's not a lot of money. You know, you could think about it. It's like 270 something bucks a year. I go, there's other ways to save that money on other things other than our school, because these are our rules. They've been like that. Well, I didn't know about it. I said, ma'am, you've been in the black book club. You're in it already. You knew about it, you know, that kind of thing. So, so it's how we present ourselves. And that's why I love that book. It has a lot of solutions. Yeah. And what I like is it takes the emotion out of the conversation. It doesn't yeah. negate their feelings mm -hmm. per se, but it, it, it allows you to craft the conversation in a way that really solves the problem and gets down to the root of things. And again, like what you said, it doesn't do the tit for tat, you know, right. I was right. loyal. And I love how you shifted that. <laughs> yeah. You know, we well, were true though. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know what? You only did that for me and I owe you. Like you kept my business open. There was a many people that did abandon us and just disappeared, but they stuck with it. But obviously we gave them an amazing service because they wouldn't have stuck with it if they didn't feel that. We were doing, what did we do? Doing? We were so many things that we did. We were doing like scavenger hunts and, you know, all these different fun events and great things. Well, you brought uh, you know, different like, instructors in to teach. I mean, yeah, I think yes, I taught you, for you, you at one time. Yeah. And you, I think I did it for you or no. I yeah, think we had Kenny, Kenny Bigby in and yeah. he taught, you know, from Indiana. Uh, so I, it's interesting. I, I think that, um, I, I think it's interesting at how people will shift when they feel like their only choice is that. And what I don't think it's called violence in, in my opinion, real life, but in this book, they say the act of violence where people get angry and they start to be aggressive and they start to blame you and, and chase and say things like, Hey, you know, we did this for you. Why aren't you doing it for me? Kind of thing. Um, I had another situation where I used this book. I was on about chapter five and I had a meeting with a parent who seemed really unhappy. And, um, it's a dad. He's kind of a strong construction guy. He's a single dad. He's got like six kids. He's works hard. Right. But, um, I, we have having some little issues. So I brought him in, but in my head, I was listening to the book and I'm like, I'm going to align myself with him. Like it's not him and I having a conversation about what we're not doing to meet. I'm going to talk to him about how we could work together. So he has a young kid. He's a teenager. He's like 14 or 15. And he's like one of those kids. He doesn't wear his uniform like he's supposed to. He doesn't show up on time, you know, doesn't come prepared. So I said to the dad, I said, listen, I, how do you want me to work with your son? Like, do I, do you want me to be hard on him when he doesn't show up prepared? Or you want to let me have him slide? He goes, oh, no, no, I want you to be hard on him. Like, I thought he'd be like, no, you know, back off, you know, that kind of thing. But it was actually the opposite. So we kind of like joined as a team to realign his son's attitude and behavior. And I said, well, you tell me how you would handle this with your son and how you want me to handle it. And he did, he laid it out for me and we came out with the same result because I wanted to tell him that's what I'm going to do. But he actually told me to do it because he he knew how his son was and how he wanted me to act and how he wanted his son to you know come prepared and so on so it was funny because i was prepared for a battle but but um it didn't happen that way it was him and i and we were joined together as a team coming up with a plan no and and i love how you even just mentally you entered the conversation with with being aligned with him so that it wasn't yeah. adversarial at all right exactly when you guys got together and and to his benefit too he was willing to you know come alongside as a team and make right. make the kid and that child's best interest the focus rather than our own egos being yeah. the focus on well, I'm right you're wrong those type of things 
Yeah, and isn't it always like when people feel backed into a corner, what they do is they they lash out rather than if you like. I, I once went to a Tony Robbins sub seminar. It wasn't Tony Robbins, but it was a guy selling. By doing a seminar, he was selling Tony Robbins seminars. Yeah, and um, so I went to it in the city, and he he the guy had trained in Aikido, and um, of course he's like, "Do I can I have a partner? To, I'm going to show some Aikido," and I'm like, "Boom! I'm right up on stage! Like I was I'm like, on it right there! Yeah, I'm all in!" And I'm and and so he goes, oh, "Grab my wrist, and and don't let me go, and pull me to where you want to go." And I did, and he pulled back, and we were like at a standstill. It was like a tug of war where both strengths were pulling in opposite directions. And he let go, I let go, and he said, and then he explained, he said, do this now. He says, grab me and pull me as hard as you can. And as I did, he just walked with me. No matter where I pulled him, he just moved with the flow and no resistance. And then he explained, he goes, resistance meets resistance. And when you flow with the energy of someone else, now you join. So if they pull you super hard and you move with them, they pull themselves super hard. Yes. And I, I thought about that in many contexts, right? Like I thought about that as an argument, you know, relationship issues, business issues, where sometimes as a young man, I was always trying to make it my way, forcing my will, right? Now I kind of a little bit more strategic and I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing this for you. I want, if you don't want me to ask you to go to tournaments anymore and push it, I'm not gonna, because now you're going to miss out on that opportunity, but I, I will continuously mention it, but I'm not going to force you, you know, so, cause I'm kind of flowing with the Aikido and the flow of the, the energy that way. Yeah. Well, that's like, even with my health coaching, you know, I will, I'll, I'll talk with them and, and uh, I say, you know, we got a couple of different ways that we can do this. Um, but I need to ask you, how, how do you want me to lead you in this health journey? Right. Do you want me to be sympathetic? Mm -hmm. And do you want me to uh, be okay when you're having a hard time and, you know, you're, you're going to, you know, you're eating that candy bar and you're drinking yeah. that alcoholic drink or whatever it is. And do you want me to kind of coddle you mm -hmm. or do you want me to politely come alongside you, hold you up, call you out, remind you of why you're wanting to make changes in your health. Like, how right. do you want me to coach you? Right. And so I allow them to tell me how they want to be coached. Yeah, that's a great, like, look, I'm thinking of that. Let's like put that in the context of martial arts. If we had that conversation with parents, like, how do you want me to coach you when Johnny wants to quit? Are you willing to listen to what I have to say? And we could try some strategies to get them to go and continue going. Or are you just willing to throw your hands in the air and keep me? Because what happens is people keep us out of the conversation and they deal with their little inner struggle. They fight with their kid. They try to manipulate, bribe, whatever. And if that doesn't work, then they come to us and say, hey, I'm throwing my hands in the air. We're giving up. He wants to quit. When if you could establish ahead of time, onboard them early and say, look, at this is what happens and it's going to happen. They're going to want to quit at some point. They're going to get bored. But what will you do and how do you want me to do it? Should I be mean, ignore it? Should I not care or should I stand alongside of you? And as a team, we guide them through. Yeah. And I think that's where the conversation needs to happen is, you know, what are your, what are your goals for your child through the martial arts? So meaning, mm -hmm. um, you know, what is it that you would like your child to achieve 
let's just say by black belt or beyond. Right. Um, right. And these are some of the the qualities and things that people have wanted to, to achieve. Like, so we do need to feed them some of the qualities. You know, I want I don't want my kid to be a leader, not a follower. Yeah, right. I want them to be physically fit. I want them to be able to defend themselves. Mm -hmm. I want them to have confidence. Right. Uh, I want them to have follow through. Um, so then when they say all of those things, then we're able to come back to that conversation and say, you know, look, I know it's difficult right now to get Johnny into class. I know yeah. that he'd rather be outside playing with his friends, especially, yeah. especially since it's summertime. But yeah. we talked about the fact that you said X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Right. And the only way that we can do that is when we come alongside together. Now, I can give you some tips on how to get him to come into class besides the fact that, you know, you can just say, hey, look, we're a martial arts family and this is what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've had parents do that where they go, you know, we're a martial arts family. This is what we do. And we do it together right. as a family. Yeah. And you know what? Like when I trained with my teacher back in the day, you know, you were lucky to be accepted as a student. And if you pissed him off at any, and even my teacher in Japan, at any given moment, he could just get rid of you and you're, you're out. Like you've made your mistakes over and over. And they're like, you know what? No more. And you're done. So when, when people think with that fear, like I might, if I do it wrong, I'm not prepared. I don't wear my uniform. I don't do my essay. Then maybe we're going to get kicked out of the school. There's that little bit more of a intense fear that we have. And, you know, we, we're, we're going to not cross that line, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, what I've picked up in the book is the fact that, like I said in the beginning of, of, of the podcast, I, I, I have a few things that I've been doing right. I think that there's a lot of things that I have just let situations dictate how I'm going to respond. And having a, right. I, I like to call it a framework, but having a framework to be able to work from, I think really uh, makes these opportunities a whole bunch better. I, You know what I would actually like to do is go back through the book and like when when he, when they're talking about these, the, what again, I'm going to call it frameworks, these different right. frameworks, actually write them out and label the framework the way that they label it, use their definitions, and then have these bullet points to go back and refer to. Um, right. That's kind of like what I did with, uh, remember the book I gave you, the art, what is it, The Art of Negotiation? Yeah. Yeah. Was it what the guy who was the CI, FBI uh, hostage negotiator? Yeah. 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 L listen. First, I have to say that book literally changed my life. Like that book was amazing. And that was one of those books, like you gave me like a pile of gold. That was what it, it, it's valued at to me because he was so good and, um, and the stuff. And then I even went on to take one of his master classes uh, that he did on masterclass.com. Um, such a great book. Amazing. But yeah, so good. I use those techniques to save money on on bills and negotiations on loans and all sorts of crazy stuff. What a great book. Yeah, it was, it was. Um, oh, I know what I was going to say too. Um, going back to like the lady that I was talking to yesterday is, you know, it's really just not owning up to your own responsibility, mm -hmm. taking responsibility for your actions. Yeah. So for instance, I'm going to bring this up. I've not responded to you about it, but you messaged me about it. Right. But see, it's my responsibility we've got a course that it's a, Car a Cardone course that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I say we're doing because I'm paying part of it. Yeah. Right. But tell the listeners what I, what I've not done. 
Yeah, you haven't done anything. You, I'm you not. You've not checked in. And I feel bad because believe it or not, and I feel bad because every month your credit card is a small portion of it is coming out, but it's it's up in two months. Like it okay. expires. They just called me the other day and, you know, can you want to renew and, you know, do more? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Cause it's quite expensive. So, but it was great. I'm on it all the time, but yeah, but, I, I've told you to do it. You would I know, love but, it. But I know, but I bring that up because, that's all I said. Yes. And I've not followed through with it, but yeah. what am I still doing? Yeah. Paying for it. Paying. So, right. And it's not your fault. I don't, I don't fault you at all. Yeah. You know, I could come to you and say, you know, Allie, uh, you know, we need to stop these payments. You know, I'm not yeah. using it and you know, I don't see any worth in it or wh whatever. Like, come on. I get it though. But you know, but you're different, right? Like, so most of our clients, like I would say a good majority of them, they don't have that integrity or, mor or morality. Um, like for instance, they'll sign up and give you a credit card. Then they quit and they know they have a contract. So now what they do now is because it's so easy, they just go cancel their credit card. We just had that with a website guy. Uh, we built this gorgeous website. It took us hundreds of hours. You know, he kept tweaking it and fit after three months of being with us, he just stopped paying. And um, we're stuck with all that time invested, we, you know, because the way our website business is set up, we have a residual monthly payment. And then after about eight or nine months, we finally make back the time that we put in. Well, this guy, after three or four months, just stopped paying and, and canceled his credit card and doesn't answer his texts, emails, phone calls, just totally gone. He ghosted us. So I'm like, wow. And he's a martial artist. I'm holding up my quote fingers for just the listeners. That's supposed to have honor and integrity and be a good person. Um, but, you know, in, in the world we live in, it's about convenience morality. So you it's can't go put on the homepage? Uh, uh, we, we could, you know, but we, you know what? Like my partner wants to write a, a Google review and don't trust this guy. He steals from people. No, you I, should have a thing on the, on the front page that pops up. It's a popover and it just says, you know, something like, you know, this is under, uh, 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 I don't know, something like until he pays his bill, you know, you yeah, can't this, use his website. Yeah. This page is no longer in action because he hasn't paid his bill and he, you know, yeah. You know what? I look at that stuff though, as like, uh, it, 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 you know, I think I'd be, I'd be justified in doing something like that, but then it looks bad for us. I agree. No, I, no, 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 no. I agree. But, but I just, but it is like to? emotional, it is like emotional blackmail in a way. Right. That, that, that's, you know, but anyway, th this way I look at this with clients, you know, Hey, you know, you used to be this because now you're not that I'm not going to pay you anymore. But when, when it never, ever was brought up until they stopped paying and you got on them, right? Like all of a sudden you went, I always say, um, you go from like Jesus Christ, which you can never be right. But uh, you go from like a, a saint to the devil in like one sentence, like, because you didn't do what they wanted and they've just, now they've turned on you and that's just human nature. But anyway, do you have any more you want to talk about about the book? Because we did say we we're going to work on sales tactics and closing tactics. And we're at yeah. that half an hour mark. That's fine. No, no, no. That's good. Yeah. So uh, I would but I love encourage it. everybody to get the book. I mean, yeah. Really encouraging crucial conversations. I got it on audio. Um, obviously, you could buy the book or, or listen to it. And it was really good. There's a, a, a few really good books that Dwayne has recommended to me or we've shared back and forth. Um, one of them was Atomic Habits. 
The other one was onboarding, which these were life-changing books. And the other one was the art of negotiation. I forget, I forget if that's the correct title. Yeah, um, I don't remember which. Yeah, but but he was so good and the book was so good. And these are books that, you know, sometimes you read something, a book that literally at that moment clicks with your soul and it shapes your life. That's like, wow, that's how I'm I'm doing it now from now on. So these books are really, really, and in fact, we've, I think we did a review way back when a podcast on those books. Yeah. Well, not the crucial conversation one. No, but yeah. That's what we, yeah. But the other ones, right. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so our next topic was on, and by the way, a lot of this stuff that I'm going to share and stuff that you're going to share. I, I mean, I got mine recently from Grant Cordone. Um, and his Cardone University and uh, not a cheap project, like it cost me $800 a month to be in his university. So I'm really taking advantage of it. I will work and listen. And then at the end of every subject, you have to take a test. If you pass the test, you move on. If you don't, you're stuck on the same thing, but I've gotten a lot of really great things. And the one thing that really interested me about this particular topic was on setting up the perfect greeting and how to work the greeting to the sale, right? And how important that initial first meeting is and how you handle things from there on in. And I just, I forget where I was recently. Oh, I forget what, and I, my daughter and I and my wife, and I'm like, this is terrible, sir. Like the guy, oh, I'm sorry. I went to Tesla to my, my car was in the shop and we stood there for like 15 minutes while the guy was on the phone looking down and looking away, but not once did he glance over and say, I'll be right with you. Like even whisper it. So that I knew that he, he acknowledged that I was still waiting, you know, that kind of thing. And I said, terrible customer service, Yes, um, you know, but then once he took care of me, stellar customer service, like amazing. Like once he got, but at that moment in time, I felt like I was standing there alone, lost. And he wasn't able to multitask. Yeah, I guess he couldn't, he couldn't even just look up and hold up a one finger. Right. But um, so anyway, this, you know, how do, how do you develop a highly successful, perfect greeting process? So maybe you could share what you do when, you know, and by the way, the greeting starts at the first point of contact. That could be the ad in the paper, the ad on Google, the ad on Facebook, whatever you're doing to get them to initially raise their hand, like you say, and say, hey, I'm interested. Right. So what do you what do you do? Like, what's your processes? Yeah, well, uh, I would say first thing, if you're going to start with advertising, which you're right, that is the first um, contact with them. And you've brought this up hundreds of times, but everything right. needs to be congruent. So the congruency of your ad to your website, to your school, the look, the the feel, the smell. Yeah. Not that you can smell things through an ad, but you, but really just the whole aura yeah. of that ad all the way through the website to the actual studio itself. Yeah. Those are all important. The, the other thing is, yeah, you mean, this sounds stupid, but you, you, your windows need to be cleaned. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when people are walking in, your floor needs to be clean. Yeah. The place needs to smell good. How many, how, how bad or how, how many times do we struggle with, with, you know, making our place smell good for years? I, I've got one of those ionizers yeah. now and I run that every night and the place smells yeah. like it doesn't even smell like feet anymore. Yeah. And we got rid of all products that could contain and, and trap and, and hold moisture. Like, so carpets, we got rid of them. Everyone now we're just hardwood floors. And, and the only thing is our mats, but our mats are swain. So they're vinyl and we wash and mop all the time. But uh, yeah, that, that's a big deal. Like you want people to think that 
your place is not maintained, smells like a foot, a foot locker or a locker room or something like that. Yeah. And, and the, the, the last part about this before we get into the actual greeting when they walk in is the fact that your, your bathrooms need to be clean as well. Yeah. Because yeah. how many times have you gone into a restaurant and then you go to the bathroom and you're like, oh my gosh, if this is what the bathroom looks like, I hate to see the kitchen where nobody yeah. gets to see. Right, right. So um, the bathroom needs to be immaculate as well. Um, but yeah, once they come in, here's what we've done is we only allow trials on, on our A days to start. Mm -hmm. So we have A days and B days. A days are Monday and Tuesday, and then B days are Wednesday and Thursday. So right. On our A days, we do our trial begins. And on our B days, we do our enrollment conferences. And the reason that we did that is, well, twofold. One is we want our, our program director, uh, especially, to be in that frame of mind on those days, not having to multitask going from, you know, sale to greeting to back to greeting to sale. Right. The other thing is from a marketing standpoint, like, when we're onboarding someone, it, it onboards them every time correctly. It's speaking to them correctly, meaning they get info on day one. And then after they're on their B class, they get info. And then over the weekend, they get info and then back on the A day and then back to the B day when they're doing, because right. within two weeks, we're doing our, uh, even though they have a four week free trial on that second week on the B day, we're doing our, um, uh, enrollment conference, trying right. to have them enroll now mm -hmm. with a special. So that's why we do only a days for our, our trials. Mm. Um, and then bringing them in, once they come in our desk, our front desk is right there when you walk in. So it's really right. difficult to miss that. Yeah. And so the, the only thing that's difficult is when you have three trials, if they all show up at the same time, you know, cause we have them show up about 15 minutes before class. It doesn't happen all the time. Um, usually somebody's late, somebody's on time and somebody's right. before time, Right. <laughs> you know? So uh, it's just acknowledging them. Like you said, saying, you know what, I'll be right with you. And yeah. then even though you're not working with them, the very first person that came in, they're listening. Absolutely. Yeah. Big they're listening to all the interaction that's happening to that individual that came in first or at least before them right and so some of the information they're picking up twice which is nice because right. yep. there's there's no uh it's congruent most of that information is, is yeah. quite congruent and then they get to see before they you even interact with their child how you're interacting with another child and mm -hmm. then getting them ready so i think that those are important the acknowledgement of you know hey nice you know be right with you or if they're the first person Hey, my name is Mr. Mr. Brummett. Uh, who's doing the trial today? You know, that type of thing. Right. Little Johnny is, hi, Johnny. My name is Mr. Brummett. Mm -hmm. You know, Johnny, how old are you? Well, I'm six yeah. years old. And then I'd like to say, you know, uh, have you always been six or just this year? Right, right. Yeah. You know, most kids say, I've always been six. You know, the yeah. parents are cracking up. And then I, you know, you introduce yourself to the parents. Hi, my name is Mr. Brummett you know, shake hands. And then you go back into, all right, here's what we're going to do. So you got to pre-frame the kid and the parents, but pre-frame the kid. Here's what we're going to do. We've got three things that we're going to accomplish right now. One, mom and dad, I'm going to email you the trial agreement. I'd like you to fill that out while I get Johnny's belt on and get his name on his belt in this picture. Two, we're going to get you guys over to where we put our material 
you know, the, your shoes, socks, coat, whatever. And then three, I'm going to show you how to punch in so that you are going to know how to punch in every day when you come into class and introduce you to the instructor so that we can get you out on the floor. All right. Those right. three things we need to accomplish. Sound good? Boom. Then we go and do it. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so I love, I love that. So the process is, so even just going back a little further, we've already had many, I think many, many, many coaching uh, uh, podcasts on this, where we talk about every phase, every step is another chance to make a mistake, either gain their confidence or lose their confidence. Every, and there are levels of first meetings, right? First meeting on the internet. You know, like for example, I, I have tried to purchase a, a number of times, a few things on a martial art uh, suppliers website to place the order on the web. And it never works for me. I put the items, it takes forever to get them in. So now I just call them. And, and the one manager there seems annoyed every time I call, you know, you could just place it on the web. I said, Hey, listen, don't you think it was easy to do and easier than calling you that I'd be placing it on the web. So I wouldn't have to deal with anything. I said, so like, there's a chance there to piss me off. And now that guy is not just saying, don't worry, I'll do it for you. Let's get it done. I talked to the owner the other day. Let me know. No, let me bang it out for you right now. Boom, boom, boom. I have this stuff on my step three, four days later. Like he's right on it. He's the owner. Of course he cares about my business, but the manager, whoever it was, he sounds annoyed that I'm trying to get him to take my order. Right. right? So, but anyway, so we have many steps that we have to make a first impression and they progressively get more and more closer to a first impression in person. And then that first impression in person is so important that everyone feels like the most important person ever. Right. And, and, you know, I think that a lot of people, businesses, a lot of businesses make that mistake. Like they hired the person who is that teenager or the person who doesn't give a crap or is pissed off at the world. And now they're the face of their company. Mm -hmm. and it's ruining, like you could be losing tens of thousands of dollars in business. That'd be better to just put a poster, put a, a cutout poster size, a business life side poster cutout of a person rather than having someone there that could piss people off. Well, I don't think it takes much anymore to actually make a wonderful first impression. Right. I mean, since COVID, nobody wants to interact with you. Nobody wants to talk with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times have you walked up to a counter and they, they, the actual person that is supposed to be helping you just stands there silent Oh yeah. until you say whatever it is, or, uh, you, or you, you got to initiate everything. Yeah, they don't yeah. even say anything like, how can I help you? Or like you right. said, I'll be right with you. Or, yeah. you know, even after that, even if, you know, once they're done and they hang the phone, they just look at you. What? Yeah. Oh, dude, dude, you know how many, you've heard my stories and, and I won't go into it in detail, but I bought so many exotic cars where I'd walk into the dealership and, you know, one time I was driving my Viper, I pull up in front of the Audi dealership because I like the new Audi. Um, and, uh, I got ignored for 20 minutes. I had my daughter, she was 10 or eight at the time. I said, honey, we're going to stay for 10 minutes and see if anyone even says hello. There was no one in the showroom except for me and her and I, and uh, salespeople everywhere. And not one person came up to me and said, hey, are you looking for a new car? Like they just ignored me. And I said to my daughter, within two minutes, if no one says anything, we're going to walk out. Let's see if they try to stop us. Nothing. Like, I, I, And it wasn't like I pulled up in this backfiring car that was smoking and it chugged along and fell apart and the door fell off as I got out. I mean, I pulled up in a Dodge Viper. So they, it wasn't like they were price 
qualifying me, you know, you know, that kind of stuff. It was just, they, they were terrible at what car, they did. And they, they were never taught. What's that? Car shaming you. <laughs> yeah, but they couldn't, right? Like, so, but at the same time, I didn't buy and I never bought an Audi. And that's when I think I bought my Camaro right after that. Like, and in one day the lady treated me the, when I went in, boom, great treatment, bought the car, left with the car that day. So it, it's amazing to me it, like how we can make that one mistake. So, and it's interesting too, but don't forget that people are, they're looking, they're either looking to buy or they're looking to talk themselves out of buying or they're not sure and they're fearful of, uh, of the sales process. Like I know Grant Cardone, he calls it um, RDR. It's reactionary defense responses, like where, They'll say, hey, can I help you? I'm not buying anything. Don't bother me. Like you're, you're already in your mind think like that salesman's going to sell me. I'm going to put up my, my you know, blocks and guards and, and I'm not going to let them get away with that. So um, we have to, there's a lot of things we have to overcome to make them feel comfortable. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting at the uh, Spark Convention. I haven't seen him in so, so long. His name is uh, Sergio Von Schmeling. Yeah. And- and I once, my, my, one of my students, my relatives moved to Florida and they, they wanted to continue training. So I went around with them and we ended up at one of Sergio's schools, Mr. Von Smelling's schools. And I walked through the door and within seconds, his head instructor said, take the count to his student. The student started counting. He walked over, introduced himself to me, said, can he help me? And I said, oh, I'm just interested. La, 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 la. He said, okay, come on, walk me to the program manager. And said, it's, if it's okay with you, I'm going to go back and teach. But like, I, they were on me. Like, there were like four schools prior to that. I went in and stayed for 15, 20 minutes. No one acknowledged me. They didn't say hello. They didn't ask me what I could, they could help me with. Like, it was just wild. Like, everyone who walks through the door, I sometimes get embarrassed because I go, if I don't recognize them, but they might be the grandparent or the uncle, I'll say, are you here with one of our students? Or they might even be for our gymnastic tenant. Um, and they'll say, no, I'm here with gymnastics. Oh, nice to meet you anyway. I just want to say hello. I'm the owner of the martial arts school. If you ever need anything, like I always want to make that first impression. So that RDR, um, you know, reactionary defense response and, you know, how we, how they're ready to act to us and how we overcome that, you know, what causes a person to be guarded. And, uh, you know, th this could be a defense response to a bad sales experience in the past, or, um, they bought something. And then they got home and their wife or husband like really blew up and exploded because they bought without permission. There's so many things that could be holding a person back and making them uncomfortable with your process. So we have to look at that. How do we make them feel like they just, they're friends of ours for years and they just walked in, go sit on the couch. I'm gonna go get you a drink and we'll hang out for a little while. Like that kind of natural feeling. Yeah, no, totally. And I think the thing that we have maybe an advantage over... Uh, is, you know, if you're working your desk or you're there teaching all the time, you pretty much know the faces of the parents. And so when somebody's, somebody comes in and their face is new, you, you pretty much know, okay, yeah, that person's new or I've never seen them here before. Right. So let right. me introduce myself and ask the question, like, are you here for, you know, watching one of our students, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, hi, my name is, you know, yeah. Yeah. Who are you? And by the way, who are they? Like, if they're just a random weirdo off the street, we want to kind of be on that, or, 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 you know, on it right away. 
security wise. That's why I have a, I have an area in my dojo where we call our sitting area and where the kids put their shoes and then they get sit on the bench before they go into class. And I have a sign. I, I don't know the exact wording, but it says um, no parents beyond this point. And it says uh, something to the effect of like your kids know who you are, but all the other kids look at you as a stranger. And, you know, so that's why we don't allow them to go in that sitting area because we don't want any kid or any parent to be uncomfortable with the, the other parents. We don't know. Right. So that we separate them from that. And even at the end of class, they are not allowed to just run out and go to their parents. They wait until their shoes run and then we walk them down and I release. OK, Johnny, go to here. OK, there's mom, there's dad. And we know that there's a controlled amount of safety. Right. And by the way, on a trial class, those are all selling features. Right. When you talk about security measures and, and I'll always say my dad, he was a cop. He raised me in that manner. And I'm always, you know, a little bit paranoid, but it's all for your own safety and right. yada, yada, yada. That's a sales technique in its own way. Right. You know, to explain that to people. Yeah, no, totally. And then I think, especially on the first day, but every, every day is the, the exit. So once they've done the class, when they go to leave, catch them yeah. before they're leaving, and, and then just ask them, you say, hey, how, how was your first class? Right. Great. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and for us, because I, I, isn't it funny? We have black belt eyes. Mm -hmm. So we know what we know in our business, but people don't know what they don't know. And so I've had people when we've said this and I've had to change our onboarding, but I would say, hey, how, how did Johnny like his first class. What did you think? And they go, great. And then I will say, let's say it was a Monday. Great. We'll see you back on Wednesday at the same time. They go, oh, it's two times a week. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is two times a week. So that's later or that's now put in advance. So they understand that they're coming two times a week, but we also reiterated on the exit. Yeah. When they're leaving as well. And we ask them how class was, we'll see you on Wednesday, you know, that type of thing. And then, yeah, and by the way, Okay, go, go ahead. Continue. No, go ahead. I was going to say, you mentioned um, you don't know what you don't know, which is funny. I just did a post about that on Facebook if people want to follow me and read it about and how confusing of a statement that is to people. But like you don't know what you don't know when you when a parent doesn't know what they don't know. And you say, how'd you like class? They, they say like, he seemed to have a good time. I can't believe he listened. Like at that point, you should be sharing with them what he did and how well he did and what you did in the class and and how he performed because now they know what you're actually asking. And they, oh, yeah, yeah. Like especially if the kid is shy and now you got him to go up in front of the class and punch. Did you see how I did that? Like you have to point out the obvious to us, but not so obvious to other people. That's essential. Like people forget that. Yeah, we just got a fence put in. Our, so our backyard got fenced yesterday and today, or yeah, finished today. The guy asked me at the end, he said, do you have any questions? And I said, I don't believe I do, but is there any questions I should ask that yeah. I haven't already asked? That's a great, great thing. What'd he say? He said, no, you, 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 everything you've asked, I probably would have said anyways, and I can't That's think awesome. of anything, else. but you know, I know to ask that question now. I didn't for yeah. years. I didn't know. And that goes back to not knowing what I didn't know, but asking right. the expert, Hey, are there any questions that I should have asked that I haven't asked yeah. already? Well, that's funny. When I made that post, people said stuff like, um, if I didn't know it, I would just ask about it. And I had to keep hammering home. You wouldn't know what to ask about because you don't know 
what you don't know. Like it's hard for them to conceptualize that, right? Like it's like, you you know, the old saying is like, I forget what movie it was and what book it came from where there was a student and they said, uh, you know, uh, do you know how to block? And the guy goes, no. And the guy punches him in the face and he's like, I was going to tell you, no, he goes, well, now I obviously know that that's the truth like because you didn't block. So like it's just one of those things where you don't know what you're supposed to know and how would you ever know unless you had a mentor or someone guide you. So when the people are being asked a question, how'd you like it? Did you like how he did X, Y, and Z? Did you see how well he listened or, or if he struggled, you, you see the areas where we need to work on with him spinning in a circle. And there was a few times where he licked the wall and the mat, you know, and that kind of stuff, you know, you got to point out the obvious. So let me quickly give you five ways to overcome the RDRs according to Grant Cardone. And we're almost out of time and yep. then you could finish it up. Right. So um, I, I took these notes while listening to his training and said, Always with an RDR, right? Reactionary defense response. That's their resistance to a sale. Put the client at ease by letting them know that you won't pressure them into a sale, but you just want to give them the info they need to make an educated decision. That's number one. Number two is know the mo- know that most clients' RDRs are responses born out of fear and uncertainty or past experience. Number three, know what they need so you can then put that client at ease. So ask them questions. What are they looking for? What do they want to achieve? Why are they here? And so on. Number four, create responses to the RDRs by using what they told you. So my son is shy. Now you have a response, right? My son is, you know, hits his sister. That now you have a response. So you want to ask those questions and you want to come up with that defense or that put the person at ease, uh, you know, mechanism. Number five, use a quick close and quick objections to overcome their fear. Like meaning that you would discuss with them like, you know, hey, you know, we do a yearly agreement. Oh, we don't like yearly agreements. And then you explain to them why it's so important, why your philosophy is that they should stick with something and yada, 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 right? And number six, this is the last one I liked is look for the RDRs and where they exist and um, what they may get out of the meeting and the sign up if and how they can overcome those RDRs. Um, and um, don't take their time for granted. Um, get the time, the meeting done on time and don't waste their time. Cause I think a lot of times salespeople, like I hate it when I'm ready to buy and they're selling me and I'm like, listen, dude, I'm good to go. And you know, and then and wow. I'm like, look, stop selling me. I don't want it. And then sometimes when they don't want it, you have to accept it because Grant Cardone will say they may purchase in the future. They may buy another different style project. Uh, they, they might go into your summer camp or your self-defense seminars or your birthday bully party, whatever. Yeah, birthday. They're not a lost cause just because they didn't sign up at your school. In fact, I have three kids in my summer camp this week that are not students that were on my list that did trials years ago. And I kept sending them emails and they signed up for a week's worth of camp. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, so you that never have, know. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you want them talking right. good about you, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you yeah. Know what? Cool. Well, I was going to say with those RDRs and, you know, overcoming those, a lot of those, um, he's just phrasing them a little bit different, but sound very right. familiar with, and that's where, like, I have an onboarding video that, that talks about the program, overcomes those objections prior to even meeting with them. You know, this is what mm-hmm. we do. This is how we do it. This is why we do it. Here's the benefit of doing it this way, you know, even to the fact where, you know, we, I present to them the price objections as well. 
mm. you know, and really the value that they get. And what most schools do is they, you know, what I call in the video, nickel and dime you to death. So you're paying for this right. and then you got to buy this and you got to pay for this and you got to right. do this. And, you know, ours is, hey, this is what the price is. Right. And it includes everything. Yeah. You value stack the heck out of it, right? Like this is what they get. This is what they get. This And you don't pay extra. Value stacking is such a great sales technique. Yep. Yeah. So I love it. Um, I was going to, I was going to say one other thing is within the onboarding process, again, you know, the greeting, we talked about all that, but on um, after the day after their second class, my head instructor gets a, uh, a task to physically call the parent on yes. the phone and yeah. talk with them and say, Hey, you know, I've now I've worked with your kid two times this week. Right. They did really good. I love how they pay attention. I saw that, you know, you know, they were looking over at you and, and, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you giving them the thumbs up and saying good job yeah. and, you know, th- whatever it is, but, you know, he personalizes yeah. it per, per person. That's essential too. Like you, they, they want to feel like they weren't just there and put through this class and got the sales spiel or pitch. They want to know that, that it's real, that you care. And by sending that immediate, like we, after they're done with their first trial, before they even, when they're driving home, I'm sending them a text message, thanking them for coming in, asking if they have questions, saying we're looking forward to them scheduling their, what they have to do at that point in my school is download the app so they could book their classes. But I'm asking them to do that. And I send them the app information on uh, Snagit, which you gave me and I, on how to capture it on your telephone and yeah. talk through it. Yeah. So I use that and send them that video link. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. So, well, very cool, dude. well thanks I, so I, much. Apparently I've got two months to get on that, uh, get on that program, man. Can I digest yeah, it? Two months? I would do, I definitely would. Yeah. You could, you do programs in segments. So it's like sales process, greeting process, overcoming objection. Like he has it broken down and they're short. Like if you had just a half hour a day, you could get a lot done. Okay. All right, dude. We'll talk All real right. soon. Great seeing yeah. you always. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Learner Talk podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out Elite Insights for all your website needs. They can be reached at EliteInsights.com. Add Health Coaching, helping school owners create a new and easy-to-implement revenue stream for your school. Visit AdHealthCoaching.com. Lead Hunter Media, your online digital marketer and content provider. Visit LeadHunterMedia.com. Academy Kings Growth Consulting and Management Group, they can be reached at AcademyKings.com. And Spark Membership, hands down the best martial arts software for school owner management on the planet. They can be reached at sparkmembership.com. We will see you next time.